just closed my file. Hold, please. Technical difficulties. Thank you. Thanks for your understanding. <clears throat> On the third Sunday of August in 2008, this congregation officially became an open and affirming congregation of the United Church of Christ. The folks who were here at that time made the bold commitment to publicly extend God's extravagant welcome and affirmation to each and every person who walked through those big red doors. In the United Church of Christ, becoming open and affirming is a process that is officially managed by the Open and Affirming Coalition. So it's a specific designation within the United Church of Christ. Not all UCC churches are open and affirming. There's a process you have to go through. Many churches say that they have the value of welcoming everyone, but don't go through the official process. Maybe because they don't wanna bother and they really do function as an ONA congregation. Maybe because they know it will cause conflict in their congregation and they will lose folks, we did. Because not everyone is on board with a public commitment to cherish all people, specifically including LGBTQIA folks, becoming open and affirming, or ONA for short, is not just about welcoming everyone. In order to be recognized as an ONA church, your covenant has to specifically include LGBTQ folks. And the reason we have to specifically include LGBTQ folks is because they have been specifically excluded and continue to be so in many congregations. And so on the third Sunday of August each year, we celebrate Open and Affirming Sunday. What you have all made clear to me in the six years that I have been your pastor is that your commitment to being open and affirming really does extend to any categories you can think of. In the past, the queer folk in this congregation have come to me to tell me they don't want a whole Sunday about being gay. And so, our ONA Sunday celebrations, we don't single out one group or another. We reaffirm our commitment to the full inclusion of everyone, truly. Our oneness in Christ includes and transcends all other labels. Everyone really is equal before God and one another. That's what we celebrate today. This is a key truth in the scriptures that turns out to be very hard for us to live out because we have real differences. And some of our real differences matter a lot to some of us. And if you think you welcome everyone, I invite you to think about how you reacted the last time somebody shared a political opinion you didn't like. The differences are real, and we have to face that. We can't go through our church life with rainbow-colored lenses. So what do we do with these differences? For some ancient wisdom on how to answer that question, let's read together from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This book was written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in the city of Corinth who were having a lot of problems, as churches always have had because churches are made up of people. The Christians in Corinth were struggling to find unity in the midst of their diversity. There were power struggles, there were some seriously unhealthy relationships, and they were not taking care of the poor within their own congregation, and they were not making sure that new converts to the faith were discipled well. Chapter 12, 
obviously, comes right between chapter 11, which talks about how to reverently celebrate communion, and chapter 13, where Paul waxes eloquent on how love is the most excellent way. So between community communion and love, we get this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. Let us listen now in the reading of scripture for the word and the wisdom of God. Just as one body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, those were the big dividing categories. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as God wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, like pancreases. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and every one of you is a part of it. This is the word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. Notice the ways that Paul says we get it wrong the ways that we dishonor our differences. The first one is, because my gifts are not like other people's gifts, I don't belong here. The eye says, I'm not an ear, I'm not part of the body. Because my gifts are not like other people's gifts, I don't belong here. That is one of the lies. Thanks be to God, everyone in this church does not have the same gift. The second way that they get it wrong is to say, because your gifts are not like my gifts, I don't need you. Or possibly, you don't belong here. What's interesting here is that you actually don't need that other part of the body in order to do what you do. Eyes see whether ears do ear things or not. But in order for what you do to matter on a larger scale, you do need that other part of the body. Eyes can see perfectly fine without hands. 
But if eyes are not partnered with hands, they can't do anything about what they see, which is a terrible way to feel. The point of this, Paul says, is that there is no divisiveness or jealousy. That the parts have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer. If one part is honored, all the parts rejoice. That specific thing shows up again in that love chapter where he's talking about what love is. No divisiveness or jealousy. The parts have equal concern for one another. The ministries of this church are not in competition with each other. You are not in competition with each other. If you have a unique gift, it belongs here. We need one another. The body is made up of many parts, but it is one body. So the deeper meaning of Open and Affirming Sunday is not just that we affirm that each individual is special in themselves, which is true. It is essential that we affirm that each individual is part of the whole. That's the point of Open and Affirming Sunday. Each individual is essential for the whole. Each individual brings different gifts, different life experiences, different perspectives on who God is. And so if we say, we don't want any of those people here, whoever those people are, whether it's trans folks or conservatives or noisy kids, if we say that, then we are going to miss out on a richer understanding of God and the world and ourselves, and we are going to miss out on some aspect of the ministry that Jesus calls us to do. That's why for us, ONA Sunday is not about singling people out for their differences, even in a good way, but about including people in so that everyone remembers that everyone's gifts are needed by everyone. This is one essential way that the church is different from the culture or the world, as the Bible calls it. Our culture worships at the cult of the individual and says that we should focus on ourselves. That I'm special because I'm special and my specialness needs to be celebrated. The church values the whole body, the collective, the community, and says, you are special because you are special and the community needs your specialness, which is different. There are other value differences as well between the church and the world. Things in our culture that are unhealthy, that Christianity specifically does differently. And unless we are together, especially in worship, we will get overwhelmed by the world. That's why it's important to be here. Because every day out there, you get the pressure to be young and beautiful forever. Whereas the church values the wisdom of the elders. 
The world either pities or ignores people who have a disability or are differently abled. The church honors all as made in the divine image of God and says that everyone has gifts that are needed by everyone. The world values people based on our capacity for production. The church affirms that God never values us for what we have done or not done. The world pressures us to win at sports, to be successful in business, to be better, faster, smarter. The church does not allow those pressures through the door. When we are here together, you are safe from all of that. The world glamorizes lifestyles that cause harm. The church upholds fidelity and sobriety in all its forms. The world glorifies violence as entertainment. Jesus insists that we live nonviolently. In every way, Jesus' values are different from the world's values. And we spend 99% of our time immersed in the world's values, especially through the media that we consume. It is all around us. Beloved ones, we need to be in worship together. We act like missing worship doesn't matter, but it really does. Let me say here, I don't care. I'm not guilt tripping you. This is literally for you. I trust that the people who are be here are here. But the world gets into our heads, even if we say we don't agree with its values. We give our tacit approval through our participation and our consumption. It is rough out there. And so we come here, yes, partly as a refuge, but not to be naive, not to keep our heads in the sand, but because we want to live differently from the very narrow list of options and categories handed to us by our culture. This is the space where we can do that. This is a safe place for everyone where we can be affirmed that we are beloved by God and one another, that we are created with purpose, that we are blessed to be a blessing. At its deepest meaning, Open and Affirming Sunday is a celebration of the church. It is a celebration of God's extravagant welcome for everyone, of course including LGBTQ folks, because everyone has to mean everyone. Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That means that it is our calling as the church to be on the offensive. The church is not the one being attacked. The church is the one doing the attacking. Hell is like a city with walls and gates trying to protect itself, which makes a lot of sense, right? Hell is bondage. Hell is closed off. Hell is oppressive. And we, the church, Christ's body, are called to break down the gates of hell. The gates of hell will not prevail against the onslaught of the church. Injustice and hatred and violence and addiction and suicide and abuse and a lack of love and homophobia and racism and sexism and toxic consumerism and environmental destruction and greed and religious hypocrisy and despair will not prevail against the church. Yeah. They will fall before the advance of the church.
Military metaphor is perfectly appropriate here because we are in a real fight. Not against people, but against ideologies and systems. A real fight. A fight we can only win when everyone is included and all gifts are honored. And that is the meaning of Open and Affirming Sunday. Amen. Each year on our Open and Affirming Sunday, we renew our covenant together. And so I invite you to do that as our time of reflection this morning. But I forgot to put it in the slides, so you need to see a bulletin. So would you rise, in body or spirit, get close to somebody who's holding paper. Is there anyone here who cannot see paper? We will find you some paper. Be the body. Get together, even if it's somebody you didn't drive in the car with here. Please notice that this statement, that this version of the statement is not a statement of fact, written in the passive voice, which would sound like you are welcome here. That's good, there's a place for that kind of statement, that's actually our original statement. But we also have this statement of covenant, written in the active voice. This is a covenant about what we will each and all do, not just what we hope is theoretically done somehow. I will do this. This morning as a testimony and an act of faith, let us affirm together again this open and affirming covenant. Will you join me? As the people of God who gather at Zion United Church of Christ, we make a solemn covenant with one another. We will extravagantly welcome everyone who enters here. We welcome every race. We welcome every gender. We welcome every age. We welcome every expression of faith. We welcome every marital status. We welcome every sexual orientation. We welcome every political party. We welcome every type of body. We will not be divided by social issues. We will not judge as the world does by health, wealth, or skills. We will not allow our past to define our future. We will transcend all labels. We will always seek to affirm one another with loving hearts and open minds. We will follow in the way of Christ Jesus, loving and being loved by both God and neighbor. With the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit, we will love one another for exactly who we are. We promise that wherever we are and wherever we are on life's journey, we will extravagantly welcome everyone who enters here. Amen. May it be so with the help of God. You can be seated.